glad to be in the house of God. Amen. Turn the monitor right there. Somebody's moved it. I can't hear a thing. I told Brother Jim Whitson before church that I thought what we would do is have everybody to come back next weekend, and what we'll do is call it a protest. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what we're going to protest. We're going to protest sin. We're going to protest lying, adultery, fornication. How's that? A thousand people gathered in Johnson City for a protest this week. They're wanting to gather a million in Washington, D.C. for a protest. I guess I just don't understand. We are essential workers. We're meeting for the most important thing that you can do in the earth. Well, praise the Lord. I wonder how that'd go over, though. I wonder if the police officers would be here to arrest me. Makes you wonder, don't it? It makes you wonder where we are. There's things happening, friends, all around us. We want to be ready to meet our Lord. I was just thinking of it back there before I came out. I wonder how many of our enemies are watching us and wondering if this would be a good time to attack because we are so divided and so split up it's absolutely pitiful but the world is truly falling apart now when he preached that many many years ago the people probably looked and thought yeah right you're living in the very day when you can say these days these things are being fulfilled Amen. praise the Lord isn't it wonderful to be able to be in the house of God yes. I'm glad I get to go to church with this group, too, <laughs> and the other two. Now, I know Brother Joel prefers this one, but I, see, where I'm at, I can't say that. I'm say that. <laughs> Amen. I'll be so glad when we can all get back together again by the grace of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. I don't know about you, but I've so been enjoying these things that the Lord has been sharing with us. I find them to be so profound. Great, but yet humble, and great, but simple, and great, but so small and meek that you can see the majority of the people of the world will never, never understand it. Go right over the top of their heads even if they would be able to hear it. Let's read, uh, uh, begin verses 10, and we'll read down through verses 13. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, 
to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Now, I want you to notice what he's going to do. He's not coming to make them sons. He's coming to bring many sons unto glory. He didn't come to get a bunch of goats and herd them up together, see if he could be able to, you know, be able to change them and do this and that. No, he's come to bring sons unto glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Now, this is not sinlessness, but it is a state of completion and not lacking anything or wanting anything because he was totally sinless before he came here. For both he that sanctifies... And they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church, so apparently Jesus believed it was important to go to church and gather yourself together. Isn't it amazing? Jesus didn't say when you're sitting at home and you're all playing your tapes. But in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. Now think who Paul is quoting. Paul is quoting from the prophet, the Old Testament prophet, but applying this to the Logos, which is going to become the high priest. And the Logos is saying, I will put my trust in him. You see, this is one of the secret parts of his advent to the earth. Not just to give his blood, but to be able to bring human flesh subject to the divine will of God. For you and I to say these words, it's not very overwhelming. But to think this was the pre-existing Christ who said this. I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God has given me. I'm so glad I'm one of them tonight. Can we bow our heads together? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful, Lord Jesus, in this hour of such trouble, such anxiety. Lord, our nation, our world is in such a turmoil. Father, we know that You promised that these things would come. And you said when they do, don't be alarmed, for it is the beginning of the sign of the time. We're grateful, Lord Jesus, that we can look in your word and be able to realize the hour that we are living. We have arrived. And we're thankful that you've given us a message that would prepare us for this time. Lord, I can't imagine what so many of the world the people of the world are feeling in this time that we're in with this virus that is made rampant over the world and now these uh, riots that are taking place not only in America but in different parts of the world. The economy is collapsing. So many things are happening, Lord. Oh, God, we're so thankful that we have you, that we can go to, Lord Jesus, in the time of trouble. Lord God, I have this prayer cost in my hand tonight for Brother Rob Weber's stepfather. You see, Lord, this mass that they found in his body. We're asking you, dear God, in the name of Jesus, for your mercy.
to be extended to him, Lord. I pray the great physician to be able to draw near, Lord. Minister, Lord God, to his need, I pray. Help us tonight, Lord, as we open our hearts and our ears to your word. Anoint us that we can be able to receive of your great goodness, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we ask. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Take me up a bit. No, it's it's good right there as far as that's. For us, thinking the great eternal would want to become part of time. When I was younger, time, as most of you, I wanted to get older because mom and daddy telling you, well, when you get older, you can do this. When you get a certain age, you can drive a car. When you arrive at a certain time frame, you can get married. When you get older, you can do this. Well, you don't understand now, but when you're older, you'll understand. So myself and you, no doubt, hearing those things, it makes us want to get older until you get up to a certain age and then you think, does this have to go on this way? <laughs> do you have to keep getting older? And Brother Jack's nodding his head, so apparently we do. And we know that when we come to a certain age that, you know, when you were younger, birthdays were something to you. Um, we were so poor that birthdays wasn't really nothing special. Uh, we didn't really get anything for birthdays. Occasionally, we would be able to get a birthday cake, maybe. And if we was really, really lucky, maybe a birthday cake and ice cream, but that was not very often. As far as getting a birthday present, I don't remember ever getting anything for my birthday because we were so poor. So birthdays didn't mean anything to me. So for my grandkids, kids, all of you have birthdays. I mean, for your kids, and it's just not one person has to outdo the other and getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they don't mean anything to them either. The only difference is I didn't have none, and now they've got so many, it don't mean nothing to them. But as you get older, and then you go to having your 49th and then your 59th and your 69th and your 70th, you know, when you come through there, you think, I really don't get excited about them anymore. I'm just glad to be alive. So for us to think about time, it's like we long for time to pass up to a certain spot. And then we really want it to slow down because we come to that realization that it goes to working against us. Because the time that we long to where we would be able to do this and this and this, and our parents that told us that didn't tell us all the downside that when you come to that age, all these other things you'll trade off. I wish they'd have told me that. I would have wished many years of my life away. But for us, thinking about the hastening of our life and how fast that this life is. And I think of myself coming here 33 years ago, and I was just a young man. Many of you that were here then, you were just young people. And we think, what's happened to us? Where did these years go? And we look back at our life and think, 
What have we really done for the Lord in these decades that have passed? But for us then to think about a being that is eternal and us thinking of what time does to us, we think, why then would the only being which was eternal ever want to slow down and come into time? Why would he ever want the warp of time to affect him? Why would he want to be slowed down to molecules and atoms and blood cells and tissues and bone and hair and eyes and all of that? Why, why would he want to enter into a body which would depend on substance to keep him alive? Why would he want to slow down from eternity? And we know that eternity moves so much faster. Even the dimensions are so much faster than where we are. So it is a great slowing down. And when I, in our mind, we, we say, why? Why would we, we ever want to do such a thing? At all, we're comparing what we know about time. But for him, he knew that he must come from the eternal and be captured in a body of time and allow himself to be in the loop down here at the bottom of this circle and enter into a time lapse and be slowed down and experience aging, sickness, disease, trauma, fear, anxiety, all of these things. Temptation by women, temptation by drinking, the temptation to use his power, power that was given to him and he actually had access to tap into it, but the will of God didn't want him to do so. But he had human ability to tap into it if he so desired. Had he been prohibited from using it, there would have been no temptation. He had power, great power and authority that was given to him to do so many things. But this is going to be part of his mission to the earth. To be given access to great authority and great power, yet properly align that with a life which will be spirit-led and vision-led. And know that your human compassion will move upon your human nature and pull you to do certain things that the Father has not led you to do. And will you do it because your human compassion and your human sympathy is what leads you? Or will you be led by the Father? Which sometimes in divine nature will seem almost cruel to a human aspect. 
because we look at things naturally from this limited perspective and we just can't see it the way God does. So we measure love, compassion, sympathy from a human perspective. He looks at it from a much broader perspective. Now I've told you before and I'll say it again as your pastor many of you when you go through things if I had it within my power I would take it off of you and I would do you a disfavor. I would do you a discredit and that's when I know that I'm loving you in the wrong way. Whenever I pray for you and I see father not willing to move it or at least move it at that time. Then I try to realign my love and see that my love apparently is from the human aspect and it's human sympathy from my heart that wants your burdens rolled away as you do me and you do your children and you do your brothers and sisters that you love in the Lord. Do you all feel that way about one another? Now, when the Lord Jesus was here, this is what's so phenomenal to me about this aspect of kenosis, that he, he never actually claimed to be a healer. Now listen carefully before you judge that. He never claimed that he was a healer. He never claimed he was a great hero. He never claimed that he was really a great person. No, that's vain people that do that. Watch how the prophet picks this up. He said, now, what did he do? He never, he never healed people. Listen to this. He didn't claim to. He said, I can do nothing in myself, but what I see the Father doing, is that right? And what the Father told him to do and showed him to do, that's what he done. See, just exactly what God then in St. John 5, 24, I want you to listen closely. Jesus and St. John passed through the pool of Bethesda. Is that right? How many Bible readers know that? And he said, and there lay great multitudes of impotent people, lame, Hall, blind, wizard. Is that right? Waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel came down, troubled the water. The first one having faith and stepping in, got healed. And Jesus was God. And he came right through that great multitude of people. That poor, paralyzed man sitting there, blind. Somebody help me in the pool. Full of compassion, moved right by him. Now watch. The Lord Jesus as a man must have looked upon these people with such sympathy and sorrow and human empathy to be able to see their need. Now he had right and he had delegated authority. But the father had shown him one man who had a disease that was not going to kill him. And really he was in, in a better shape, we'd say, than many that he passed by to get to that man. Now watch the Lord Jesus as a man with this authority and power. And people think they want power. And they want authority. 
What would you do with it if you had it? How would we use that power? You see, authority and divine power is not given to us to use as we take a butter knife and put butter on a piece of bread or or take a little bit of peanut butter and stick it on a piece of light bread mix a little bit of jelly or whatever more on top of there. It's not something that we use at our will. It is not something that we use as our glory, something that will benefit us, but it's something that we will use at times in a way that we don't even understand. And in our mind, we may think this avenue here would bring God the most glory, which in reality, he would choose the way which in our, in our mind would bring him less honor, less glory, and make him less credible. But that's because it's our mind thinking so and not his. So here walks the Lord Jesus. How many believes he was a loving man? How many believes he cared about people? So there's no way you're going to tell me that he did not walk through this congregation of people that were blind, halt, crippled, lame. A woman with a waterhead baby. Watch this. The prophet said... He went right through every one of them, never said one, never said one thing to any of them. Went right over there to a man laying on a pallet that had a prostate trouble or something like that. He'd been in there for 38 years. It wasn't going to kill him. And he said, well, thou be made whole. Now what's the scripture? Jesus knew he had been there. See, it was a vision. Now, this is two and a half, three years, something like that, before the Lord Jesus is ever going to give his life and his blood for our sins. But he is living out a declaration of the beginning of a new race. And with this, he is manifesting the Father's name. He said, I come to manifest the Father's name. To declare the Father's name. And the Father's name was the Father's character. So he is showing us the character of the new race. Because this is the beginning of the, the new race. The head, the first one, the second Adam. And it's going to be that those who are baptized into the body of Christ. Will live lives that are so submitted to God. That even though God has endowed them with great power. And authority, and they can do this and that and the other. Yet they won't move until they feel they have direction from God. And even in that move, sometimes it will be contrary to their better judgment and things that they will even do. And it may actually get them in trouble with other people when they do it. But they have one thing in mind, and that is please Him. You see, the Lord Jesus is living this example before he ever goes to Calvary. Now watch, the prophet said, Jesus knew he'd been there. See, it was a vision. He made him whole, walked on away, and left that multitude of crippled people. Now a multitude is no certain number. It could have been hundreds We stood there a few years ago in the pool of Siloam. They've been able to dig it up in the ancient street where it was. And it was a large area where hundreds of people could have been gathered. 
Here walks a man full of love, full of compassion, full of sympathy, full of power. And yet he goes to one man who's been afflicted with something that's not going to kill him. It was not life-threatening as we would say. And he walks by all kinds of people, maybe a mother with a little child that was blind, a mother that had a, a baby whose head was swollen, all kinds of horrific things. And he walks to a man who seemingly needs less of a miracle than many of those that he passed by. But he must do as the Father leads him. You follow my thought? So he's giving us the example of what the seven church ages, the elect and those ages, will be like. That they will want to please the Father so much, if they are criticized for doing so, they will still do it. Because they want the Father's will more than anything else. Now, what's this in looking for Jesus in 1954? The prophet again said the Jews questioned him. Well, why didn't he heal all those people? If he's a great healer, why didn't he make all those crippled people? He passed right through them. If he was full of love, why didn't he have compassion on them? People don't know what compassion is. Now, let me be the first to say, I have to admit, I do not know what compassion is without word correction leading me. And I'll go ahead and raise my hand for all the rest of you. Y'all is as dumb as I am. You don't know it either. You think you do, but you don't. Because our human compassion is what moves us so many times. Well, Brother Donnie, shouldn't we have that? We should. But when it comes to delegating the will of God, it takes more than human compassion. It takes something which is divinely given, and that is God's divine compassion. Now listen carefully before you make a judgment on this. People don't know what compassion is. Compassion and love is the will of God. So compassion and love is the will of God. And you can only exercise that as God gives it. Not human emotional passion, not emotional love, but divine love, which can only be rendered and given by God. So we can look at people. I see people all the time whenever I'm out. You know, if you go, you go to Lowe's or Home Depot or Walmart, wherever it is you go, and you see folks that are sick. And to be honest with you, I've, I've almost asked several times, cashiers, can I pray for you? I really have. You know, you don't know what people would say in this day that we're living in because they've either got some wound or something that you can see or some bad, something or another. And your humanity, you really want to be able to do something for them. But you realize that that is not something that we must be guided by is our human compassion, and many are. And this is what they think is leading them to witness to people when many times it is not the will of God at all. It is their human compassion because they think, oh Lord, they're lost, they're dying, go to hell, there are no Baptists, they need to hear the message of the hour. If they're not ordained to hear it, then I would advise you to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost because you might be sharing something that will only damn them. Be led of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will always lead you to the right ones. 
So I wonder how much of the compassion of humanity that we have followed. But this is not the direction that the Lord wants the new race to go at all. Now remember the prophet said divine love which can only be rendered and given by God. Now you see following this, if the Lord Jesus was questioned, so your brother Ram says that whenever the scribes and the Pharisees and the different ones come around him, and the Lord Jesus walked among this multitude and he heals one man that's really not in that terrible shape. Well then they look at it with their priestly compassion and their priestly love and their priestly understanding of the love of God and they said, you mean to tell me you claim to be a loving servant of God. You are a loving man and you claim to have love, divine love and you walk by all of these people and went to that one man who's laid in this state for decades of his life and you would not heal that poor little child, that poor little mother, that poor man there. How can you be a servant of God? Matter of fact, the prophet in referring to this said if Jesus done that same thing today, he'd be just as questioned today as he was then. You know why? Because people are the same. Now, I'm convinced that people are the same tonight in 2020 as they were 2,000 years ago and they were in 1954 when the prophet made this statement. So it helps us to see, let me bring it on down, people in the message are the same way. Now, what we tend to do then is we look at love and human sympathy and parental love and parental care and we tend to measure the sovereignty and the will of God as we as parents do or as we as humans do as we look to our loved ones and our friends that we love and then we judge God's character and God's nature by that way and we judge trials and tests and tribulations and so on the same way now let us go to the Sumerian church age from the church age book now the Lord God Almighty says I know there he is walking in the midst of his people there he is the chief shepherd of the flock but does he hold back the persecution Does he stem the tribulation? No, he does not. He simply says, I know your tribulation. Now watch in this same thought in mind. The Lord Jesus, when he came to the earth, he has now become experienced in following the will of God that it does not always regulate and follow human sympathy and compassion. Elsewise, the Lord Jesus would walk to every hospital in the United States or the world and heal them all despite the conditions. Faith wouldn't have nothing to do with it. How they're going to live would have nothing to do with it. He would be motivated just simply by human compassion. He would never let you and I hardly suffer any pain, hardly any difficulty at all. And we would be a very worse off people than we are tonight because our character can only be molded through suffering. And Happy Valley said, as much as we love revelation, our character is not made by revelation. Character is not made by listening to tapes. Character is not made by going to church. Character is not made by praying. Character is a gift right and not or it is a victory rather and not a gift God don't just give it to you well here you go here you go you can all have it no it's something that is made and I hate to say it but it takes years of our life for it to happen 
Now watch God in speaking to one of the church ages here. Whenever he picks this up, he said that God told them, I know your tribulation and I know your trouble. Now notice this, he said, I know your tribulation. I'm not at all unmindful of your suffering. What a stumbling block that is to so many people. Now, friend, this is the same way today that many people, they would say, well, why don't God take this away from me? I know God could heal my wife. I know God could heal my husband. I know God could heal my baby. Why don't God do it? How come God don't do it? I'll tell you, friend, you're walking in dangerous ground when you go there. Now, I'm just telling you as your brother, I'm telling you for myself, that is what I call a no-fly zone for me. I refuse to go that way. Because if I do, I will begin to wonder about this and wonder about that and wonder about that one and wonder about that one and wonder about that one. And the next thing you know, you're going to wind up being an unbeliever. Because then you'll say, well, if God's got all this power, why don't he do this and other? And see, the reason you and I would come up with that conclusion is, is because we're only seeing this very, very narrow perspective of the entirety of this situation. And he's looking at the scope of the whole thing. And he knows so much more about it than us with our little old canary brain trying to question the great intelligence of the Almighty. Come on now, we ain't even got a pea-sized brain compared to him. But yet we tend to try to, you know, to be able to bring all this in our mind and try to progress. Oh, how's all this and how's that? Oh, I don't understand that. I don't understand. Now watch, it is the same thing that Satan tried to do against the people in the days of the Lord Jesus. Now he come to the earth that he might be able to learn and humanize with us. And as we looked at it Wednesday night, when he left this earth, he was so much human that he took that glorified humanity with him into glory and he's able to feel for us this very day in a glorified human body. Now watch, he says, what a stumbling block this is to so many people. Like Israel, they wonder if God really loves them. How can God be just and loving if he stands by and watches his people suffer? Now, how many Christians do I deal with, do you deal with, that have these exact same questions in their mind? And how many have turned away from the Lord because of such things? They'll pray for their mama, they pray for their daddy, and God don't heal them, and God takes them on. And then they turn their back on God. That is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. Well, I'm quitting serving God because God took my daddy or God took my baby. And what if God looked down the road and saw that baby of yours died and it was before the age of the accountability, it'll be in heaven. And what if God saw at the age of 14 if that baby would become a young man or a young woman and it would have got on drugs or alcohol, got out one night, had illicit sex with some boy and wrapped a car around a tree and died and went to hell. So which one would you rather God do? But you see, we pull all this through our knucklehead up here. And we're so hard-headed and so stubborn, and we want to tell God how to run his great business. I'll tell you what, when you make me a few trillion planets, then come talk to me about being God. I'll just start at the very bottom. Make me an ant and bring it to me in the morning, and then we'll talk about you being God. And then we'll work on the planets. 
But you see, it is something about the inquisitive, misunderstanding nature of humanity. Now, friend, this was not in man in the beginning. This was not a part of who we were. But it, it became that after the inquisitiveness of Eve, and it was because Satan raised a question. Yea, hath God said. So he approached her in the form of a question that she did not have the answer for. So whenever he said, as God said, you shall not eat of, well, God has said, you remember the scripture, God is all, but God does know on the day you eat thereof, you shall be as gods. So he presents it in a way that's a question that she doesn't really have the answer for. But once he finds that element of curiosity, then he comes another way, begins to approach her through that way, automatically something changes in her mind. Then she begins to bring this and her mind progresses from the state of innocence into the state of now reasoning. So she's trying to understand and she don't have the answer. And her, uh, her pastor Adam, he don't have the answer either apparently because he hadn't told her nothing about these things. And here stands a man seems like with all the answers. I would run from every man that has all the answers or a woman because they're a liar and they're a hypocrite. They ain't no man got all the answers. That's right. But now notice then, it's amazing that you think after people become Christians, does not that part about them dissolve? Oh, how I wish. Oh, how I wish. It would make my job so much easier. I would be a Maytag repairman for sure. I would just sit around and listen to tapes and twiddle my thumbs and read my Bible and play games on my iPad like some of you all do. But instead, I have to burn the midnight oil, the 3 a.m. oil the 5 a.m. oil because so many of you have so many questions. I don't understand this. How come that? How come that? You know where you get it from? Your head, not your heart. Your heart, if it's filled with God, will always go back to the Word. But that warped head of yours is what gets you in so much trouble. Amen, Brother Donnie. Well, hallelujah. Now watch. How the, the statements of these people, what a stumbling block it is to so many people like Israel. They wonder if God really loves them, how can God be just and loving if he stands by and watches his people suffer? How can God watch one of his children suffer with cancer? How can God watch some of his children suffer with, with terrible back pain or you know, whatever more that we would talk about that we'd be able to describe and say, Lord, oh, I've seen them suffer so much. How can God do that and be loving? And all he'd have to do is just speak. He wouldn't even have to speak. Remember the prophet saying whenever he had stood there and the devil was really laying it on him about his wife and his baby. And he said, look what you've done. He said, God was silent. And he said, if God was silent, then the devil would talk. That's generally the way it works. You ever notice some silent times whenever God's really silent on you? Old blabbermouth kicks in overdrive, don't it? I mean, he talks day and night. He's got four or five voices going in our head at the same time. 
Praise the Lord. It's during those times of silence, and God's doing that for a reason. And he said, if God was silent, then the devil would talk to him. And the devil said, look, what have you done? All you've done is preach, and you went out and preached, and you'd go in and sit in a chair for a little bit and climb up a pole, and you'd fast, and you'd do this and this and this. He said, he'd come too late to tell me that there was no God. Now, see, according to where you are, he'll be able to bait the trap according to where you are as an individual. He said, he'd come too late to tell me there was no God, but he was telling me that he didn't love me. Now, he said, he wouldn't even have to lift his hand. He, he wouldn't even have to look this way. All he'd have to do is just say it. You remember the story? Oh, my. Boy, Brother Branham was falling right into the trap. As a young man, you'll imagine his wife dead, his baby dead. He said, he'd come to let you tell me there was no God. But he was telling me that he didn't love me. Oh, my. Isn't that amazing how powerful that can be? Well, the truth of it is, if any of us or all of us think that God don't love us, then why should we serve him? If we say, well, he really don't care anyhow, well, then why should I serve him? Why should I go through it? Why should I go through the trials of being a Christian? Well, well, let me just tell you this, and let me reverse it around. So you're going to tell me then the devil does love you. You honestly think the devil loves anybody but himself? Do you think the devil loves his people? The devil is getting on these people out here and causing them to do all this stuff that they're doing in the age that we live in. Then what's he going to do? What's he going to give them afterwards? Eternal life? Uh, No. He's going to take them to a mansion on a hillside. He's taking them to a pit of fire where they will be eventually annihilated. So if you're going to serve somebody because of love, then you definitely have to serve God. Because the devil loves nobody but himself. But you see, people then in their mind, they measure this love because they don't understand the step of kenosis itself. Here our master is displaying to us the perfect epitome of a human being being led by the will of God. And God does not always show the human being the entirety of the scope of everything about the situation. But he shows them limited understanding. He owes us no explanation. He will show us this little teeny bit about the situation and say, do this. And we say, now wait a minute, if you will help me to see this, and I, then you moving by your understanding and by your head again instead of your heart. So the Lord Jesus was showed this vision and here the Lord Jesus comes in in this multitude with blinders on if we can say it that way and by his limitation of kenosis he, he, he cannot move outside of the scope of the vision. So the father leads him, he goes right over to that man and he heals that man and he walks out. A man with love a power, authority and all these great things. Now if he did it then and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm convinced he'll do the same thing tonight. So he may come among us tonight and this one may be healed and this one not. This one may be healed and that one not. Why, Brother Donnie? I don't have a clue. I don't know all the ins and outs about everybody's lives. It's my general commission under the orders of my Lord to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I prayed for thousands of people in the years of my ministry. A lot of more have died than have got better. Well, it's the truth. 
I pray for all kinds of people that died. I pray for all kinds of people that got well. But you know what? I'm going to keep on praying. Because it's the general commission that I've been given to. I do what I'm supposed to do. Then it's up to them to do what they're supposed to do with it all. In order to make it all work. I drive myself crazy trying to figure out, well, how come? Well, why? Well, I don't understand. Well, how come? Well, why? Why do you spend your time on stupid stuff like that? You know why? Because Satan knows for some of you... It zaps your victory just like that. He knows the whys and the how comes and the wherefores. Well, you just might as well put that under your feet and say, I don't know why. I don't understand why, but I'm moving on. I'm following God. I'll understand it better by and by. Oh, my. Notice, he says, this is what they ask in Malachi 1, 1 to 3. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet we say, wherein is thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I love Jacob. I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. You see, they could not figure out. Ah, here we go. Man loves to figure, don't he? Yeah, he loves to figure. And he figures because he can write down one times eight. And he comes up with that answer. He said, man, am I smart. Boy, you ain't. You are, ain't you? Well, he wants to give you a hard-boiled egg. Leaf of lettuce or something. What, 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 what do you want? Oh, boy, Brother Donnie, I can figure out 24 times 24 right in my head. And you think because you can do that, you can figure out God. Forget it. You'll never figure him out. You have to love him, believe him, and trust him. He don't figure. God ain't mass. He ain't biology. He's eternal. Now what? So he said, you see, they could not figure out God's love. They thought that love meant no suffering. They thought love meant no suffering. Now, friends, it's absolutely amazing how many Christians think the same thing today. I'm talking about message believers. That whenever they go through things and they suffer things, whether it is physically or financially or spiritually, mentally, psychologically, whatever it is, they just think God's left them. Oh, my, where's God at? How come God's letting me go through this? Because in their mind, they've got this same thought pattern right here. If it worked for the children of Israel, why not carry it on down through the rest of the ages? Once you find something that puzzles humanity keep using the same thing over and over and over again they my notice is they thought that love meant no suffering they thought that love meant a baby with parental care oh how many of you parents that raised your children longed for the day and yet dreaded the day when your little boy or little girl would come to a spot to where they wanted to walk. Now, you were glad when they were on their knees. And my, you just thought it was the greatest thing ever was. And you made home videos of it and you still go back and look at them today. And you think it's the greatest thing. You'd watch them as they'd scoot on their bottom or, you know, pull up and whatever more. And some of you cruel, mean, heartless, cold, uncaring parents... Let your children get up and try to walk when they had crawled and perfected. 
I could scoot on her bottom 40 miles in there nearly. And you evil, wicked people even held their hand. What's the matter with you cruel human beings? I got your attention, don't I? You mean you were willing to accept the possibility that your little boy or your little girl would fall flat on their face, bump their mouth, bump their head, bite their lip, make their nose bleed? You loving parents? Oh, I can't believe it. Amen. Oh, me will work too. Now, why would you do that? Because you know that is part of growing up. You mean your parents, you parents will still let them go on when you know there's things they're going to go through life and they're going to make mistakes. You mean you don't put your loving arms around them and keep them from everything? No, we'd certainly like to sometimes, some of the dumb decisions we make. So we look at that and we think, well, it's just, it's just part. It's a... If you tell me that is part of them transitioning from crawling to walking. And you accept that. And you will not accept God allowing His children to transition from babyhood to becoming adults and going through trials and difficulties. I'm going to have a problem with you. Hallelujah. Oh, amen. Y'all are doing good. You're doing good. Y'all get to come back in the morning? Yes, sir. You do? All right. Praise the Lord. Well, ain't that good? Two services in a row. How long has it been? Several months, ain't it? Now watch. If God really loves him, how can God be just and loving? If he stands by and watches, watches his people suffer. Oh my. Notice this. Jump down to the bottom of that. You see, they could not figure out God's love. They thought that love meant no suffering. They thought that love meant a baby with parental care. But God said His love was elective love. It has nothing to do with your tests, your trials, your failures, your mistakes. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's not even on the same page. His love for you is because He chose you. Well, if God loves me, how come God don't bless me like He does so-and-so? And they've got a big house and they've got this and other. That's not the way you measure God's love. Amen. Notice this. The proof of His love is one word. Oh, I love this word. <laughs> the proof of His love is... Election. Election. Not Cadillacs, not BMWs, not big large SUVs. Amen. Election. 
Oh, if I only knew God loved me. Oh, if I only knew. Oh, somehow God would just bless me financially. If God would increase my hourly wage. Oh, if I only knew. If I only knew. Well, look, listen to what the prophet says. That no matter what happened, his love was proven truly by the fact that they were chosen unto salvation because God hath chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Hallelujah. If you're sitting here tonight and that responds in your soul and you are called to salvation, you are chosen to sanctification and you are called to believe the truth, you ought to be one of the happiest people in all the world. Oh, glory to God. It is the proof of election. Now let's see if you rejoice with the rest of this quote. He may commit you to suffering as he did Job. Oh Jesus, help me. I don't see anybody rejoicing. What happened? You don't see me rejoicing. He may commit you. Notice this. To death as he did Paul. Friends, this is why sometimes when we pray for our loved ones and we pray and we pray and we cry and we pray and we believe with everything in us. But God has committed them to death. Their time is over. I don't care how much we pray, how much we cry, how much we fast. If it's the will of God, they're going. I don't know how you feel about that, but whenever he's done with me in life, I'm done with life. That's what I feel about it. And I feel like when God getting ready to call somebody, he'll let them know and get them ready. Praise the Lord. And whenever God dealing with you, you say, you know what, praise God, I'm ready to go home. There's something in us that wants to fight, but I believe God just drops that assurance. It's going home time. Praise God, I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready to get out of this place. But until he tells me it's time, I'm going to make hell pay. I'm going to fight every devil I can fight. I'm going to study. I'm going to preach. I'm going to pray. I'm going to cast out devils. I'm going to lay my hands on the sick. I'm going to torment hell every day I'm here on the earth. But boy, the last day when my life is done, I say, well, see you, Lamb. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm gone. Amen. I want to do everything I can, don't you? To be able to do that. So sometimes when he commits us to death and we're crying and we're praying and we're fasting and we say, what happened? Well, I don't understand. I believe with all my heart. I, I, I pray with all my heart. A man and woman sat in my office a couple of years ago. Right here. The brother had many needs in his body. Still does. Sat in my office. Pulled out a piece of paper out of his shirt pocket. Said, Brother Donnie, me and my wife have some questions. I said, all right. So for whatever reason, I just started talking, which I normally don't. I let the people talk and tell them what, what they're in trouble with and whatever more. I just started talking. Holding this paper in his hand, he looked over at her and smiled. I just kept on talking. He looked over at her and smiled again. I said, I'm sorry, I don't mean to take y'all's time. He said, that's fine, you're doing good. So I kept on talking and kept on talking. He said, well, Brother Donnie, I had these questions wrote down in this paper here. But you done answered all of them. I guess the interview's over. 
Now friends, you know me well enough to know. I cannot do that. Who did that? The Holy Ghost. But the same Holy Ghost could have come right down and healed that brother's body. But he didn't. Well, Brother Donnie, explain that to me. How can I explain something to you I don't understand myself? But for me, that's a no-fly zone. I stay out of there. I don't understand it. I know my God knows more about it. But I've seen the manifestation of God move in so many ways in this direction. And it's like he lets people know that he loves them. But when it comes to certain ways, he says, no, no, not now. Not yet. No, no, I ain't going that way. No. And we have to learn to trust him. Don't you understand? This is what the Lord Jesus was experiencing, Brother West. He was experiencing a man that had the fullness of the attribute of God in him. The power that created the heavens and the earth. He could have turned the stones into bread. He could have jumped off the pinnacle of the temple. He could have flew if he wanted to. He could have walked in there and healed this one, that one, that one, that one, that one, as far as delegated authority. But the Father said, No! Will you follow me? Or will you follow your compassion with your gifts? You see, when tongues and interpretations started happening out at the Branham Tabernacle, Brother Neville was a gifted man as far as tongues and interpretation. Brother Branham actually had to go to Brother Neville. Y'all read this. God sent Brother Branham to Brother Neville with a thus saith the Lord. Because people was coming to Brother Neville for a word from the Lord. And he said, you have to be careful because it will cause you to get in the flesh. Why? Because you love them. You try to reach out to them. You try to help them. And they go to pulling you in the flesh. What's what? Gifts. Gifts. You see, for a preacher... It can be very difficult because God may want a man to go here where there'll be 50 in the meeting and yet he could go over there at the same time where there's a thousand. Now, most people in their mind would say, well, I can do greater. I can do more. I can accomplish more of preaching to the thousand. But God may say, don't go there at all. Go over there at 50. Well, you say, where's there any scripture for that? Oh, I'm glad you thought that. You see, my, one of my brothers was preaching a meeting one time down in Samaria. Casting out devils, healing the sick, all types of supernatural taking place. And the Spirit of God said, I've got one man fixing to come through a desert pass down there. I'm going to take you out of this big meeting and set, set him down there. Remember the story? Here comes the Ethiopian eunuch coming up through there. Had the quotes of the prophet. And all my had been listening to tapes and reading books and everything. And he didn't understand hardly nothing about what he was reading and listening to. Amen. Because the seed don't come through the tape, the seed comes through the body. Amen, Brother Donnie. The seed comes through the body. So God sent one man down there, and he lined him up, and he joined himself up in that chair. He said, understand what thou readest? He said, how can I except some tape player help me to understand it? No, that's what these blasphemers say. Oh, come on now. But he said, how can I let some man teach me? And he began at that very scripture and preached unto him Jesus, and and he preached it so fully that they passed up by a mud hole. And that old boy said, 
here's water, what does hinder me? So he baptized him, amen. The Spirit of God brought him up out of there and carried old Philip away. You're talking about a time, but the Holy Ghost, now look, that man takes the gospel right on down to Ethiopia. In our mind, we think, no, don't leave that big meeting. Don't leave that big meeting. But God said, hey, I know what I'm doing. You just follow me. Amen. Amen. Lord, what about this, brother? What's that thou to thee? Follow thou me. Don't you see what the Lord Jesus had the kenosis himself for? He wanted to have this feeling of human sympathy and compassion and say, what will I do? Will I follow my humanity or follow my Father? My Father living in me. Notice this. He may commit you to suffering as he did Job. Praise God. That is his prerogative. He is sovereign. Oh, but I love these words right here. But it is all with a purpose. Friends, this is what we miss. This is what he holds from us so many times. When we're going through anything, he does not show us a purpose. And he don't have to. He's God. But if he showed us a purpose, we'd say, oh, brother, oh, okay, yeah, I understand that. Well, praise God. That makes so much sense. But he said, no, you just follow me. You just do what I'm telling you to do and follow me. If he did not have a purpose, then he would be the author of frustration and not of peace. His purpose, listen now, is that after we have suffered a while, we would be made perfect. Be established and strengthened and settled, as Job said. He put strength in us, Job 23, 6b. You see, he himself, oh, he himself suffered. He learned, oh Lord, he learned obedience. What is this? Kenosis. He who knew all things emptied himself out that he might be teachable by experience. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Huh. Hmm. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. I'm afraid that interprets that many of us have got a hard way Since obedience don't come natural. Don't sit there and look at me. Some of y'all was squalling and turning red in the face when you was two months old. You was kicking your baby blanket off, spitting out your nipple that your mama put on the bottle, throwing a temper tantrum. You were still doing it at two years old when you went to Walmart. You are still doing it at seven when you went to whatever more. And you're still doing it today on God. Well, praise the Lord. Because mama thought, oh, I can't hurt the little thing. I can't whip it. You're hurting the little thing if you don't whip it. That's right. But God said, oh, I love my children so much. I can't let them suffer. God says, I love them so much. I want them to leave that world down there with my character, which can only be molded in them by things they go through. Oh my, he was actually made perfect by the things he suffered. Hebrews 5, 8 to 9. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect. Now remember, this is not sinless, but complete. 
lacking nothing. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. In plain language. And I'll close with this. The very character of Jesus was perfected by suffering. Now let me say this and listen carefully so you won't misunderstand me. This human character of Jesus was not the prior character of the Logos that he had in the other world. This character of Jesus was not the character of the eternal. Because <laughs> you can't teach the eternal anything. So if this character is going to be taught, it must be a character which comes out of kenosis that is teachable and apparently lacks some understanding and avenues. And what was that understanding? Relate to trouble, relate to sickness, relate to temptation, to feel it. God couldn't feel it. But in this kenosis body of the Lord Jesus, the Spirit of God, the attribute of the fullness, could get so close to the flesh and the flesh humanity of Jesus, God could actually feel sexual temptation. He could get so close to the passions, the desires, the humanity of Jesus. He could feel temptation of drinking, abuse of power, all these things. Oh. In plain language, the very character of Jesus was perfected by suffering. According to Paul, he has left his church a measure of suffering. That they too, by their faith in God, while suffering for Him, would come to a place of perfection. Why did He want this? James 1, 2 to 4, my brethren, count it all joy when you file into diverse temptations, knowing this at the trying of your faith, work as patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire. Listen to this word entire, whole, complete in all its parts, in no part wanting or unsound, complete in all respects, consummate. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Let's stand. Let's stand. Why does he stand by? The reason is in Romans 8, 17 to 18. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Oh my, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us unless we suffer with him. We cannot reign. With him. You have to suffer to reign. The reason for this is that character simply is never made without suffering. Character is a victory, not a gift. A man without character can't reign. A police officer, a state trooper, 
a judge, a person without authority, without character. All these riots and all these things taking place. Why? Because a police officer overstepped his position. Taking a man's life, an unarmed man. Should have never happened. Forget the the color doesn't really make a difference. Whether it's white, black, red, yellow, that shouldn't make any difference. Why? Because we have police officers, many of them, that have no character. We have preachers that have no character. We have school teachers, state troopers. Come on. Judges, whatever more. Judges that slap people with all kinds of fines and this and that and other. And then you read articles in the newspaper where that same man was doing things back in his room that was breaking the law itself. And yet day by day by day, sending people to the pen and sending people to this, that, and other, and he himself nothing but a low-down line fornicator. Come on, why? Because they're in that position. They have no character to match it. But God's bride is not going to be that type of people. When you leave this world, my friends, you will be millennium ready. Think of it. There is no character supplement school that we go after the body change. Well, I liked a little bit of this, and I liked a little bit of that. All right, Donnie, go over here. Go, you liked a little bit. No, I'll be so ready for the millennium. I'll go straight from this hail right here, right into the marriage supper of the Lamb, come back right at the end of the tribulation period and set right up in the millennium and be set up at whatever I'm going to do in the millennium. And you will too as a believer. You'll have absolutely everything you need because you are going to reign. But it don't come by revelation. Oh, glory. Wouldn't it be wonderful if there's revelation? Just one revelation after another. Each revelation will drop a little more character. Each revelation a little bit more character. Oh, we see what revelation without character leads to. Stuck up, arrogant. So how do we get our character? Suffering. Oh. Some it's tribulation. Some it's your name being ruined. For some it's pain in your body. I only know of one person I'd like to see have kidney stones. That's the devil. If he had kidneys. And I wish he had them every day. And I wish he was the size of a basketball. <laughs> Boy, could I stand off and laugh at that dude. I don't know of any human being I'd wish such things on. I don't know of any human being I'd wish cancer on to you. There's people that's hated me, people that's told lies on me. I wouldn't wish none of that on them. No. I love humanity too much. That's right. How much more would I want to take off nearly everything, nearly everything off of my sheep? But God says, Donnie, come here, boy. I need to adjust your thinking. They need this. They need this. Why, Lord, why? Because this will help them. They'll spend days, they'll spend weeks pondering, looking, searching. This does more for them than what you realize. And I look back and say, oh God, give them grace, Lord. Give them grace. Let me just tell you right now, there's many of the saints of Happy Valley that have crossed over and are waiting our force. We're getting more over there than what we've got here. (laughs) Right? And there's many of them that the Lord showed me before they ever left that it was time for them to leave. Sometimes I was free to tell Carol. Sometimes I'd be free to tell their loved ones. Get ready, because they're going to go. But I've seen many, time after time, the last week, the last month, the last hour, the last day of their life, and they'd fix this and adjust that and straighten this out 
and fix that. I've had different of them to call me to their bedside and want everybody dismissed out of the room except me and them because they had something they needed to tell me. They sat right here in this church and heard preaching after preaching after preaching. Heard Brother Tim Pruitt, my, heard Brother Biscoll, heard many great men. And apparently that didn't fix it. But laying there in that bed was pain with agony. They're searching their life. They're looking through everything just to make sure. You know what it convinces me? He does know what he's doing. Go ahead and say it. He knows what he's doing. And go ahead and say it. We don't. Praise God. Oh my. Character is a victory, not a gift. A man without character can't reign because power apart from character is satanic. But power with character is fit to rule. And since he wants us to share even his throne on the same basis, same basis that he overcame and is set down in his father's throne, then we have to overcome to sit with Him. How will it be brought about? Sufferings. Oh my. How many wants to be faithful? How many still needs help in your sufferings? I do. I'd raise my legs if I could get off of them. I'd raise both hands. Paul said he counted it all joy. I'm still needing help with all that. Oh, it's hard to have joy when you're hurting. It's hard to have joy when people are lying on you and spreading all kinds of things that ain't the truth. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You, you go through it too. It's very hard. But there is a way. And I believe before we leave this world, God is going to help us to break into it. We're constantly looking for realms to break into. And many times we think it's depths. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if the bride, when she leaves this world, oh, I believe there'll be a great move. Oh, yeah, I believe all that. But I wonder... What great means, actually. I wonder if the bride, when she leaves this world in a rapture, will it be us walking on water, heating all the sick that come in our midst, raising the dead? I wonder. That wasn't the way Paul left. <laughs> wasn't the way Jesus left. Wasn't the way Peter left. And that was the alpha bride. I wonder if in the eyes of the world, we won't look so weak and so puny and so small. And they think, <laughs> that's the bride. You've got to be kidding. There ain't already none of them. They're so weak and they're so puny. But that's when his strength is made so wonderful. When we look our weakest. Praise God. You love him with all your heart. Let me finish this, this quote here and we'll pick it up again, Lord willing, in the morning. And the little temporary suffering we go through now is not worthy to be compared to the tremendous glory that will be revealed in us when he comes. Listen to these precious words. Oh, what treasures are laid up for those who are willing to enter into his kingdom through much tribulation. Praise God. Let's bow our heads if you would. Oh, Lord Jesus, I know we've dealt along these lines, Lord, many times. But I don't ever remember 
going along this line with you being the forerunner in front of us. That it was you through your humanity that opened this way through the veil. And we are to follow your example. Lord, I'm sure all of us can say tonight that we need help in this avenue, Lord. And we can say it to you and you understand. You know how it is as humans to feel grumbling and complaining and the lack of understanding and so on and so on. You know how it is to feel fear. You know how it is to question. You know how it is to pray prayers and them not be answered. For you prayed earnestly and sincerely in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That prayer could not be answered. Because the will of God was for the cup to be drunk by you and you alone. You had to scream it out on the cross. Why hast thou forsaken me? My God, my God. You didn't just use the word. You experienced why. Father, many of these folks understand what I'm saying. People can say why. But it's another thing when you experience why. When your world is turned upside down and you just don't understand. And then you experience that little three-letter word, why. You didn't just say the word. You experienced it. Yet as the word, you knew that answer. But in the final stages of your life, you had to separate yourself from your true being in order to feel this great question, why? Why hast thou forsaken me? You knew why. You knew why in your soul being, in your word being, but you allowed your humanity to ask the question, why? Your soul knew you had become sin. But humanity said, why? How come? I don't understand why. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for allowing yourself to feel that. Thank you for saying why. You had power to call for 12 legions of angels. Don't you know I could all ask for my father right now and there would be 12 legions of angels, myriads and myriads of angels to come. It was at your beck and call. Even then, you could have done it. Praise God. But the Father's will was, don't use that power. It's yours, but son, don't use it. But the choice must be made by the humanity. Thank you so much 
for overriding that fear. Thank you so much for allowing yourself to go through those agonizing moments of horrific pain and suffering. Thank you for suffering, Lord Jesus, and not calling for those angels. For at that time, they would have come out of heaven. They were standing there waiting. Oh, my God. They were standing there waiting to listen to see what you would say. Breathlessly, what would you do? But the Father's will was, don't do it. Don't do it. Praise God. Help us, Lord Jesus. No wonder when John and them wanted to call fire down out of heaven. And you told them, you don't even know what spirit you're of. And Elisha was authority called two she-bears out of the wilderness and killed 42 children. The prophet tells us that was not the nature of the spirit of God. That was the anger of the prophet. He had been given authority and power. But he got mad and used that authority in the wrong way. Because Elisha wasn't Christ. Moses wasn't Christ, so he could smite the rock the second time. But when Jesus came, he was given greater power, greater authority, greater temptation to use it than any other man. But he conquered it. Praise God. Now, Lord Jesus... You want to help us when we face our greatest trials. We love you so much, Lord Jesus. Forgive us of our shortcomings. Forgive us of our failures, of our complainings, our grumblings. Help us, O oh God. We love you tonight, Lord Jesus. You love him with all your heart, children. How many would witness with me tonight, God? I need more of that power in me, that character. More of that ability, Lord, to surrender my will to your will. Remember whenever that young boy and girl was acting up in the service and the Spirit of God spoke to the prophet and said, whatever you say will happen. All he had done, Brother Greg, is said, they'll carry you out of here or you'll die right there in the pew. But for whatever reason, the will of God was, I forgive you. Isn't it amazing? Other times the Spirit of God would call them out. You come up, you had epilepsy written on your card. Church of Christ people, remember that? Church of Christ people. They got together with their minister and they discussed around a table and they was going to trick Brother Branham and wrote on the prayer card all these different things. And as they walked up there with the prayer card, the Spirit of God revealed it to him. Said, your pastor sitting right back there, him and so many more people, 28 people, fell that night with epilepsy and all those other demons. Because they wrote it down and said, you wrote it, now it's yours. Isn't it amazing how the Spirit of God, now Brother Branham was a kind man. He was a loving man. Maybe he just wanted to say, well, Father, forgive him. But the Father said, no, you're not forgiving him. They wrote it, now it's theirs. What is that? Following the will of God. But you see, other people said to her, you ain't got no love. You ain't got no compassion. Compassion is doing the will of God. And if God says forgive them, then we forgive. 
But if God says it's time for another Ananias and Sapphira, then we do that as well. Look, friends, it'll happen. It will happen again before we leave. There will be people that we will deem in our eyes that should be slain, but God will tell us to forgive them. And there will be others that we think, well, we'll forgive them. And God say, don't forgive them. For whoever sins you retain, they are retained in heaven. Pronounce judgment on them. There ain't a question in my mind. It'll happen right here in our church. People will fall dead as a hammer. Never move again. Never. Why? We're talking about serious stuff. We're not talking about playing God, playing with God, using God as a spare tire, using whatever we want to. Oh, no. We're talking about being real. Being sincere, following the leading of the Holy Ghost. Remember Ananias and Sapphira was in the Alpha Church. And the prophet tells us it will return again. Oh, Brother Donnie, that scares me. That scares me. Well, be ready. Stay ready. Don't have nothing in your heart that ain't like God. Praise the Lord. Oh, I feel that right here, right now. Oh, my. Hallelujah. My friends, we're in serious times. Amen. Sing something for us. Hey, let's worship the Lord. I've done created this. <laughs> Change it a little bit before we dismiss. Everybody be scared to leave. <laughs> Don't you love him? Look, friend, I want God's mercy. But I, hey, God ain't something we can play with. Amen. That's right. Let's be serious about this. Let our lives be every day, every hour, every moment of our life where the Lord can use us. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Let's worship a little before we go, can we? Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Sometimes it won't be the direction you want to go. Where He leads me, Yes, Lord. I'll follow, Lord.
what's he calling us to do? Take thy cross, that's right, and follow. Oh, yes, follow me all the way where he leads me. bless you saints you love him with all your heart the lord bless you thank you for praying for me this week i know you i know you have been i certainly appreciate it i'm so done with that kidney stone i had a pretty rough day yesterday but lord has helped me today i've been doing better today less pain i believe this will pass literally you keep praying for me amen I, i find it so amazing i come wednesday you know doing pretty good wednesday didn't have no pain at all until i come back around the office and sit down Felt a whole lot better this evening. Tore right back around that office for church. I thought, you stinking, low down, rotten, good for nothing, devil. I'll have been preaching to you tonight, fighting that pain. <laughs> but you know what? That's part of our lives. Are we going to stop? I'm going to say, well, God, how come? God, how come? I'm a preacher. What's that got to do with anything? First of all, I'm a human being. But I fight and I win. Come on, saints. So keep going. Whatever you're going through, keep on pressing through it because we are more than conquerors. God bless you. Service in the morning, Lord willing. Let's come expecting the Lord to speak to us again. I know you enjoyed that tonight. Let's, let's sing tonight, Peace of God Cover Me. You know, Brother Donnie talked about that tonight. There's things that we'll have to go through. But he also promised he'd never put more on us than we can bear. And his peace is always a promise to us. There may be trials. There may be things that we have to go through, but we don't have to go through it alone. Brother Harry shared that request for a person that was struggling with anxiety and with all this going on, the riots, the economy, all, all the mess that's going on. Let's just, let's just pray tonight for, for that person, for the, the people in our congregation. Peace of God, cover them tonight. Let's, let's sing it to him tonight. Let's also make it a prayer for our loved ones. Peace of God, cover me. Cover me. Cover me. of God cover me through the storm cover me only in you only in you I 
but I am safe. And only in you I'm secure. In Jesus, only in you I find peace. So cover.
Darkest night, his 
sunshine, God is good. My God is good. God is good. My God is good. God is good. His decisions are good. God is good. God is good. All the time. God is good. 